Well, what a powerful time of worship this morning, huh, church family? So good to be with you all today. Why don't we give a shout out to the OC, our online campus? And I just got to tell you, this is a word for someone either here in the room or online today. Listen, I want you to know God is not going to fail you. He is not going to fail. I know that you might be facing a situation right now that feels like, how's this possibly ever going to work out? You might even be thinking, this is it. It's over. But I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord today, it is not over. God will not fail you. He's going to bring you through. Come on, somebody shout it out. I'm going through. I'm going through. You know, one of the most difficult times in my life just recently, um, I was watching a program by uh, a guy. His name is Rick Rennery, somebody that we listen to often. And uh, I had just gotten some information that wasn't very exciting to get. And as I was watching this particular broadcast, he ended it by saying this. He said, I want to pray for you today. He said, I just want you to know that if or you've gotten a bad report, if you've gotten information that's causing you to feel a little level of anxiety, I just want you to know that you're going to make it through. This storm is not, is not permanent. You are going to the other side. And man, I'll tell you what, it was like he was speaking right to me through that television set. And I received that word into my life and have stood on it ever since to say, no, I'm going to make it through. Come on, somebody shout it out. I'm going to make it through. Sometimes you just got to remind your body. You just got to remind your circumstance. You just got to remind your reality. No, that's not my story. I'm going through. Somebody needs to hear that today. So thankful today for the Holy Spirit to help us out. I'm glad you guys are here. We're going to learn a little bit together today as we kind of finish up on this little uh, short talk we've had about the D6 model out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Open your Bibles with me if you would to there. We've been talking about restoring the power of home. You know, God has designed some intricate and powerful systems that define how life is, how this world operates, how everything came to be, and then how it perpetuates itself uh, year over year. And uh, we, I think, do ourselves a service when we dig in to understand how God has put life together and how life works. And there are things that we, we already know, but there's so much more for us to understand about the kingdom of God, how the kingdom operates, and what systems God has put in place that we can leverage to our advantage. We can leverage to help us to enjoy life in a greater way and to help others around us. And the D6 model is one of those things. The Deuteronomy 6 principles are, I believe, something that God has given us to always ensure that home is the power-packed, God-centered, faith-filled place it should be, that he intended it to be. You know that everything in life springs out of the home. Everything in life springs out of the home. So when we talk about this idea of restoring the power of home, I only say that because, you know, home is and always will be and always has been powerful. It, it's, it's the nexus. It's, the, it's the, the place from which everything springs. This is what we're going to talk about today. And so home has really never lost its power. It's just that the influence over that power has shifted. Where we are in our world today is that where God designed home to be a place filled with faith and love and grace and mercy and understanding, a place where you can find refuge from the world that's around us. You know, in the beginning when God designed home, we didn't have all the dysfunction that we have today. There's a lot of dysfunction in the world today, and that's the result of the decision that, that Adam and Eve made, but in God's original design, it was never meant to be that way. And so as we unpack this idea of the power of home, I believe what God is showing us is that your home and my home can be a place where our families feel the unconditional love of one another. Where there does not have to be tension and strife, rebellion and disobedience, but where there can be life and restoration and fun. And if that's something that you're interested in in your home, then this model is exactly what must be followed to restore that power. You know, God's a restorative God. Did you know that? God's a restorative God. He's a God of repair. He's a God of fix. 
He's a God of greater than before. You know, we've seen people that have come out of almost impossible situations get connected to the God of grace, and their life not only get turned around, but become greater than it had ever been. Why? Because that's who God is. God never leaves anything like it was. He always makes it better. The Bible says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. Church, our homes, our lives should be getting brighter and brighter and brighter and stronger and better and healthier. And I believe it can. I believe it's God's design for us to live in that fashion. And we see that here in this model, the D6 model. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think I just preached on my notes right there. So maybe we'll just pray and go. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses has uh, had been charged with sort of in a way being the parent of God's people. So Moses has sort of taken on the father figure of a nation. And he's led them out of captivity and to the place of promise. And he's now sharing with them, here, here guys, here is how we're going to perpetuate our faith in God and the generations that follow. And that what he gives us, starting in verse 1, is just, man, it's a master class on what healthy home looks like. So the truth is that if you're serious about your home being healthy, you have to employ the D6 model. There's no other way. We can't will it into place. We can't just want it into place. We're, we're not going to get this kind of advice from an, from an ungodly source. We're not going to get this kind of advice from the world. Voices that are disconnected from God's principles. But here we are, thousands of years later, and these truths still apply to me and you right now. Like literally, you could walk away from here today, go home and start doing this. Literally. You don't, you don't have to go buy anything at Walmart. You don't have to get stuff together. You don't have to wait till next Monday because you know Monday's the perfect day to start everything. You don't have to wait till January 1st. You literally can start tomorrow, August, whatever the day is going to be, or you can start today, actually, August 28th. You can start right now and shift the environment of your home. Well, pastor, I don't have children. No, you still have a home. My children are grown and gone. You still have a home. They still have a home. Uh, we're just a married couple. We don't have children. You have a home. I'm living by myself. You have a home. And we control the environment of our home. And here's how. Deuteronomy 6, 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Let's read that together. Verse 5, ready, go. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Let's make it personal and say, I, ready, go. And I must love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them. Here we go. Verse 7 now. He turns his attention from us onto our home and our children. He says, repeat them, these commands again and again to your children. You know, verses 5 and 6 become a part of that repetition. Kids, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to his commands. Repeat that again and again to your children. Talk about it when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie it on your hands and wear it on your forehead as a reminder. Write it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so over the last few weeks, we've started looking at what we call the eight principles and four pillars of the D6 model. Those eight principles being these eight instances in which we are to talk about the commands and the goodness and the grace of God, what I call the word the work and the will of God, the ways of God, the word, the work, and the ways of God. Eight principles. We talk about the word, we talk about the work of God, we talk about the ways of God. When? When we're at home, when we're on the road, when we're going to bed, when we're getting up. We tie them on our hands, we wear them on our forehead, we put them on the doorposts of our home, and we put them on our gates. Eight different instances 
that Moses says, hey, you're going to have to pay attention to making sure you're sharing these things and talking about these things pretty much all day, every day, in all situations. And then we have the four pillars, those four pillars being these truths. Number one, that everything has an origin. This is a godly principle based on seed time and harvest. Everything has an origin. Everything came from somewhere. Number two, D6 is divine design. This is God's design. God designed this. Number three, D6 laws are automatically happen regardless of what we put in them. Number four, home is where it happens. The home is God's design for the, the, to be the epicenter from which all of this springs forth. So today we're going to talk about pillar number one, and that is this, that everything has an origin. We might say it this way, everything begins somewhere. Everything begins somewhere. This word origin, by definition, very interestingly, I want you to pay attention to the definition today. The word origin means this, and this is right out of the dictionary, our place of rising up, becoming visible, and discovering our being in nature. Our place of rising up, becoming visible, and discovering our being and nature. Listen, everything has an origin. Everything. A place from which it arose, became visible, and from which it expresses its being in nature. Its origin. And I think we all understand this. We all understand the idea uh, of origin, but we don't always think about it. We don't always think about origins, but we do understand origins. But sometimes we do think about it. We don't always think about it, but sometimes we, we do think about it. In fact, when we do think about this idea of origins, there's a, there's a way that we often express it. We might ask this question, where did that come from? If you've ever asked that question, that's because God has placed in every soul, in our understanding of how nature works and the world works, this idea that everything comes from somewhere. Everything has an, an origin. So, you know, some people will not buy products from, a, from certain countries. And so sometimes when they're looking at a product, they may ask the salesperson, where did that come from? Or, you know, some people, and I know today it's really fashionable actually to eat organically. Ooh, organic. What does that mean? It came from somewhere. <laughs> to eat organic, or as naturally as possible, you know, no chemicals, byproducts, all those types of things. Let's be as natural as we possibly can. So a lot of times when people are buying food, maybe at a, at a market or even a restaurant, they might ask the question, where did that come from? So we understand innately this idea of, of origins. Uh, and I've recently personally been researching my ancestry, and I found out some very intriguing things. I have found out on my dad's side, I'm back 11 generations now, my 11th great-grandfather was born in Gloucester, England. Uh, there, the, the Tony Farm is still there. Is that amazing? My 11th great-grandfather from 1515, born in 1515. So in doing some of this research, I've been asking this question a lot. Where do I come from? And a lot of people understand this idea of origins, so it's really not new. Origins is, is not, not new for us. But what I've also noticed is that while the idea of origins isn't really new to how we think, and we understand everything comes from somewhere, that we often lack the discipline to really pursue understanding or discovering the answer. So for example, you might walk into an antique store and you see a beautiful chair there. You've been looking for a, a chair that would just finish out your, your feng shui at home. And so you see this antique chair and you're like, oh, it's beautiful, I'd, I'd love to have that. And you ask the, the salesperson, you say, where did that come from? And about 30 seconds into the answer, you're fading out, glazing over, and uh, starting to hear a little bit of the Peanuts teacher, right? Womp, 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 womp. Why is that? Well, because I care, but I don't really care that much. It's like, where did that come from? You know, just give me the quick down and dirty. So the truth is that while we understand the idea of origins, we don't always, lack, we don't always have the discipline to really pursue the fullness and truly really discover what that story can tell us. 
We have a, uh, in fact, a piece of furniture in our home. It's a hall tree, beautiful hall tree. And uh, I had heard stories, this thing had been in our family for a really long time, but we still have it, it's at the house. And so I reached out recently to my mom and I said, mom, what can you tell me about the hall tree? And she's like, what hall tree? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, the hall tree. It's been in our family for, for forever. She goes, oh, that hall tree. You know, I don't really remember. So I reached out to my brothers and sisters and I asked them, I said, tell me about this hall tree. So in the back of my mind, this story is building, right? This story of how my great-great-grandfather, Thomas W. Driscoll, moved from England over to America in 1832. And there on Ellis Island met uh, Giuliani Parschetti, this guy from Ireland, this, I mean, this Italian guy who, uh, who wanted some tea and Thomas W. had tea in his box, and so Giuliani was like, I'll trade you this hall tree for some tea. And my, my, my great-great-grandfather said, I want that hall tree. And so they traded it, and they became great friends. And years later, through their life, they kept in touch. And one day, Giuliani sent a letter to my great-great-grandfather asking, on the back of the hall tree are the initials of my great-uncle Mussolini still on the hall tree. But before my great-grandpa could ever respond to the letter, Giuliani passed away. And so that hall tree's now been in our family for generations with that amazing story. And so I reached out expecting to hear something like that. <laughs> and uh, this was the response I got. So who can tell me something about the hall tree picture included? That was in the house on Bellevue when, my, when our parents bought it. <laughs> nice. So if anybody wants a hall tree, it's free. It's at our house. You can come pick it up later today. Origins. Origins matter. And we all understand this. We understand innately that origins are a place of rising up our place of becoming visible, our place of discovering our being and nature matters. And I don't know if you see this or not, but I, I wanna just pause and just recognize something that I find very powerful about these three definitions of the word origin. They're on the screen, and I want to see, do you see what I see here? I, I not only see a definition of a word, I see connection. I see process. What process do I see? Well, here's what I see. You can only discover the nature of something that has become visible. And something can never become visible if it never rises up. If that hall tree did not rise from the wood shavings of the craftsman workshop, it never would have become visible. Had it never become visible, I never would have had the intrigue to discover its nature. And I believe the same thing is true of me and you. You and I are like that hall tree. We follow God's pattern. This is God's design. God's design is that we all start somewhere. We all have an origin. And if that hall tree does not rise up and become visible, I'm never asking the question, where did that come from? And you might say, okay, well, that seems logical. But what does it have to do with anything? Why would we talk about antique furniture on a Sunday morning? I mean, I got up, got dressed, drove to church, spent money on gas, argued with my children all the way here <laughs> to hear you talk about hall trees. Well, because, again, this is God's design. This is how the world works. This is what he put into place. Have you ever had fear rise up in you? Have you ever had passion rise up in you? Yeah. Have you? Have you ever had an idea rise up in you? Or anger? Or joy? Have any of these things ever risen up in you? In fact, when we experience these things in extremes, when, when somebody does something out of the ordinary, you've experienced this, when someone gets angry in a moment, that seems extreme that they're angry. 
Or when they're all of a sudden <laughs> laughing like crazy, this is the greatest, <laughs> and they're showing extreme joy. Often when someone does something out of character, we will ask this question. Where did that come from? And I think it's one of the most powerful questions we can ask in life. Where did that come from? Because that question is doing what? It's seeking to understand the origin of its rising up, the origin of its becoming visible, and the origin of its nature. This is how God has created us. He's created us to experience life through this lens. And the truth is, church, that when it comes to our home, very few people ever ask the question, where did that come from? That when the rebellion of our children kicks in, do we stop to say, where did that come from? And seek its origin. When we hide the truth from our spouse, do we ever stop to ask ourselves the question, where did that come from? And seek to understand its origin and its nature. You see, when something finally rises up inside of you and becomes visible in our lives, it's an opportunity for us to ask the question, where did that come from? And does it belong? Is this something I want to continue? Is this something I want to have in my life? And we understand this idea of origins and we ask the question, but we have to pursue the answer. And as a means of self-preservation, we've learned to not pursue the answer. We've learned to just, well, it's just the way that I am. You know, by the time that something becomes visible to us, there's already a backstory. By the time a child acts out in a way that we might call unacceptable, there's already a backstory to that action. By, by the time we express our love and compassion toward another individual, there's already a story behind our love and compassion. By the time we engage in a movement and give our soul to this thing that we feel committed to, there's already a story that's brought us to that point. By the time anything shows up in our lives, there's already a story, a history, an origin that is worth understanding. It's worth exploring. Here's how I like to say it. The healthiest life is lived when we allow ourselves to become spiritual and emotional archaeologists. That we're not afraid to dig a little bit. And I'm not talking about with a backhoe. I'm talking about on your hands and knees with a little trowel and a brush, removing layer after layer until you get down to where this all began. Because it's in that beginning that we find our ability to either reproduce or to cancel production. We can make more if we like what we see, and we can cancel the order if we don't like what we see. But it takes getting back to where it came from. We have a, a new saying uh, in our house. This is actually just really at this point between me and Max. And that is BWIB. B-W-I-B. BWIB. I'm trying to teach our son to put it, be with, back where it belongs. Be with. What if we were to take that outburst and say, be with? I'm putting you back where you belong. You don't belong in my life. You don't belong in my marriage. You don't belong in my home. You don't belong in my children. You don't belong in my future generations. I'm putting you back where you belong. So I'm first going to discover where you belong, and then I'm putting you back. Be with. You're going back where you belong. You know where the devil belongs for the Christian? Where the believer, where he belongs, where it concerns the life of the believer? Does he belong in your money? Come on, church, help me out. Does he belong in your, in your health? Does he belong in your mind? Does he belong in your plans? Does he belong in your influence? Where does he belong? The question is we have to resolve is where does he belong? Well, if I'm not sure where he belongs, then he can show up just about anywhere he wants because I'm not sure where he belongs. But when you know where he belongs, and the Bible says he belongs under our 
feet. What does that mean? He is subservient to us. He is underneath our power and our authority. He has no right to rise up, become visible, and define our nature. He has no right. Pain, trauma, past hurts, they're a part of our journey. People say things. Stuff is done. Experiences are had. And oh, by the way, according to God's design, home is where it happens. Home is where it happens. So I I said in the beginning that this is God's design. From the very beginning, he intended that home would be the nexus. It would be the place from which we would find our rising up, that we would rise up in the home. In fact, if you look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, what does it say? To raise up a child. Where does that happen? It happens in the home. And God's intention was that we would never raise up a child in dysfunction, raise up a child in fear, raise up a child in panic and anxiety, raise up a child in depression, raise up a child in the fear of surviving and being provided for and being loved. That was never God's intention. It's where we've ended up, but we can reverse the trend by getting back to where we began and say, where did that come from? And I'm gonna get it fixed so that I can live the way God has designed me to live and make our home a place where we can rise up in peace, rise up in love, rise up in understanding, rise up in wisdom. And let that become our expression. Let that become what becomes visible in our lives. Home is meant to be a place of rising up. So where does it come from? Every emotion, every motivation, every passion, every fear, how we spend our time, how we choose friends, how we spend our money, every outburst of anger, every expression of deep affection, every overwhelming sense of hopelessness, every moment of sheer elation, every time we feel at ease, every, every day we just don't feel like it, every day we crush it, our view of the world, our sense of justice, what we really believe about God, it all comes from somewhere. It all comes from somewhere. And we have the choice, we have the option and the opportunity to define it. Our emotions don't have to define us. Our current reality doesn't have to define us. In fact, I would argue it doesn't. We get to choose what we're going to do with that and what's going to be our expression and our nature, but we have to begin by asking the question, where does that come from? All these things have an origin. There's an origin to it all. And in God's divine design, that origin is home. You know, psychologists' studies have shown what God has known from the time he created man, that who we are arises out of our home. In fact, there's, there's a phrase and a terminology for it in, in psychology. It's called the family of origin. The family of origin is that family in which you were raised. The family of origin is not my family today. It's the family I grew up in. Whatever family was like for you growing up, that's your family of origin. And that home environment that you were in is what has shaped and molded so much of how you see the world. Certainly things have progressed and and grown and matured in some ways and all of us as, we, as we've gotten older, but still to this day, we carry the residue of all those experiences. The most formative years of our lives is what perpetuates us for the rest of our lives. And so to, the only way we can truly become healthy is to deal with where it came from. And then I'm talking about 79 sessions of deep psychological analyzation. I'm talking about opening ourselves to the word, the work, and the ways of God, and asking the Holy Spirit and the word of God to help us understand where does that come from, and allowing him to refashion in us from a new origin of faith, who he says we are. Who he says we are. As I said uh, last week, I believe it was, that Jesus promised this, that if we'll believe in him and put our faith and trust in him, he and the Father will come and make their home in us. What does that mean? It's a resetting of our center. It's a time in our lives when through our faith and trust in God and the healing process of the Holy Spirit, we find new origins and we rise up out of that place. 
and we say the old life is over. What does it look like? It looks like the next time we have that moment and we recognize, where did that come from? That we spend a minute in it. And we allow ourselves to sort of think about it and explore it. We break out the trowel and the little brush and Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember when they said that to me. Felt exactly the same. That's interesting. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> you believe that? I remember when I got that letter from them. Hit me the wrong way. Stuck with me. <laughs> come, come on, church, help me out. Mostly what I believe what God wants us to do on our journey is and mostly what we tend to do is looks good. I'm fine. <laughs> Covering up doesn't help anything. But allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us through a process of discovery where we're taking the cover off and we're saying, here I am. Oh, by the way, it's no mystery to him. We know this, right? It's not like the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, I didn't see that. Wow. <laughs> He's pretty aware. We just need to become aware so that he can lead us through repair. Become aware so you can repair. Amen. So God's divine design for us as humans is that, that we understand our origins and we allow him to refashion our rising up, our, our becoming visible and our nature, the discovery of our nature. So Pastor Kathy, if you would come, I want to introduce you to something today because home is where it happens, everyone. So if you're parents today, if you're grandparents, if, you're, if you have responsibility for um, a child still to this day, uh, whether that child is young, and especially if they're young, but even if they're older, if they're teenagers, you know, teens, if you're in the, you're in the room here today, you know, this, this is for you as well, that this, this opportunity to stop and ask yourself, where did that come from? The next time that I, I feel when someone says something to me that causes me to feel inadequate, overlooked, insignificant, Stop and ask yourself this question. I'm talking to the teenagers right now. Stop and ask yourself, where did that come from? Where did what come from? Where did that feeling come from? Where did that sense of inadequacy come from? And, and, and what, what about this moment is causing me to feel that? Where does that come from? And as we start to work through some of those layers, and I know that sounds like a deep question to ask on a Sunday morning, right? It's like, well, it's been a long week, Pastor, and you're really, this is like, this is, this is, where are we right now? No, where we are is just in a place of getting a little bit healthy, right? We're in a place of recognizing that these words don't have to define me. Right. Yeah. This interaction doesn't have to define my reality. No, that isn't, whether, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, right? You know, because we can go just to the other side just as well. It might be harmful words or actions that someone does that causes us to feel a certain way, and we go, whoa, where'd that come from? Or it might be this, this giddiness that we feel and having finally achieved a goal and gotten the business up and running or gotten to a certain place or status and, and money and all those kinds of things. It's worth stopping and going, where did that come from? Where's that joy coming from? Is that joy coming from just having felt like I finally achieved something? Where, where's this coming from? And all it does is it keeps us anchored because we follow that with, God, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? Why, why are those words hitting me in this way? Why do I feel belittled? Why do I feel less than adequate? Why do I feel just unseen right now? Where's that coming from? And, and Holy Spirit, what do you say about me? Do you agree with what was just said? What do you suppose the answer is going to be to that? Oh, no, yeah, I'm with them. You're, you're, pretty, you're pretty out there. Is that what you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit? No, 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 Tom. No, 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 they're right. <laughs> Hang on. Where's the, no, he's not going to say that. He's going to say what the Word says, which is what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made intricately woven together 
in your mother's womb. Before one day came to pass in your life, they all were already set in order. All I got to say is right now, there's a picture of you hanging on the walls in heaven, and every day, God, your father, walks by and goes, I love that dude. Yeah. That guy's amazing, full of power and creativity. It's not at all what God is saying about you. God, I, 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 this achievement, man, this makes me feel important. I feel great right now. I finally reached my goal. That's great. Celebrate. Go eat food with your family and celebrate your hard work and then ask, where's that joy coming from? God, is, is this what you believe defines me? Come on, church, help me out. Because the Bible, the Bible calls these things, they're, they're wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. And it's okay to enjoy it in this life. But we have to watch that we don't anchor who we are to it. And God might say, no, no, no. Well done. Working hard. That's awesome. Fantastic. And I gave you these tools so you could actually have success in life. But ultimately, I care about you. Come on. Where did that come from? I think you get the idea. So Pastor Kathy and I want to share with you a, a new opportunity. And, and babe, just before we do that, I want to share. I, I reached out to some friends and I asked them, I said, I'd just love for you to share with me What's something from your home life growing up that has stuck with you? And I reached out to several friends to ask this question. I want to kind of share their responses, and we're going to talk about Quest Family. The first one said this, a friend of mine. He said, uh, I learned the kingdom first, that we serve and make God's kingdom and his house the priority. Everything else is taken care of. He said, the next one that I learned is that when we get together, we eat. Uh, one of my friends from California said this. He says uh, that I now allow unlimited chocolate milk in our house because when I was a kid, we could never have chocolate milk. <laughs> right, so you might go to this guy's house and be like, bro, what's up with the nine gallons of chocolate milk in the front here? And what question might you ask? Where'd that come from? And if you didn't know the story, you might think, this guy's kind of a little, <laughs> right? No. But once you know the story, you're like, oh, man, I, I get it. Uh, another friend of mine uh, said this, that uh, for us, it was only eating Miracle Whip. And I, I actually had to follow up on that because I didn't quite understand. And then he, he explained, no, you, not mayonnaise, Miracle Whip. Come on, somebody help me out. That's right. Whose invention was mayonnaise? Come on. Miracle Whip, right? Uh, he also mentioned denting my pop can for my thumb to help me hold it. Can I dent it? And a love for football because they watched football all the time. Isn't that precious? So, you know, you might see this. You might hang out with this guy and watch him go to his pop can. Like, this guy's got a tick. What is this? What's, what's the pop can thing? Is that like some latent aggression happening there? What's going on? No, I just was taught that as a kid and stuck with me. Uh, one of my friends from Chicago said this. Uh, two things come to mind for me. Sunday is family day. My parents took us to our grandparents every Sunday during my childhood. And now my grandkids go to see me and my mom every Sunday. Isn't that fun? Um, the second is my father taught us to not walk on other people's grass. <laughs> is it? Yeah. It's, and, now, and now my kids and grandkids don't walk on other people's grass. He said the owner worked hard to get their grass to look that, like that, so you need to respect him and his work. It's kind of a joke in my family now. We don't walk on people's grass because my dad and me will get mad. <laughs> Isn't that fun? It's like, so you could be hanging out with, with my friend and see somebody walk on grass, and he'd be like, hey, get off my grass! <laughs> like, this is an angry old man up here. This guy's, but no, 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 you have to know the story. You have to know where it came from, right? Where did that come from? Uh, uh, my other friend said this. He said, probably the thing I remember the most is my dad telling me to be wise when choosing a spouse and make sure your spouse was raised with values that you hold in high regard. Isn't that awesome? Uh, my other friend from here in Ohio said this. He said, uh, for me, we were in our big movie, uh, big movie family growing up. And since I was four or five, I heard my mom and six older brothers and sisters watch a movie, remember countless lines from the flick, and we constantly would quote those movie lines in various situations. 
uh, a funny moment, a serious discussion, a fight with a friend, visiting with family during the holidays, etc. All, as a result, we can watch a movie just one time and quote literally like 10 to 20 key lines from that movie immediately afterward. I did that all growing up, and now both my kids have picked up on this trait as well. He says, my wife sits back in amazement when 15 minutes after watching a movie, me, my daughter, and my son are already using countless movie lines as we discuss the story. At least three generations so far have this uncanny ability to remember 50% of the movie lines and use them at any given moment. And then he said, uh, as, an event, as an example, at a recent family reunion, I, uh, I, he, you know, he said, at a family reunion, I can predict that before the day is over, I will have heard 20 to 30 movie quotes, and I will have said three or four of them myself. He said, one time when I was in high school, my sister and I were driving in her car, and I was in the passenger seat, and we went to pick up two friends at the school, but when we got there, there were five teenagers, not two, and so she turned to me and said, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> one of the most famous lines from Jaws, which, by the way, was an impromptu line, movie bus, it's interesting. Uh, finally, my, uh, my final friend said, she said this. She said, uh, I didn't grow up as a pastor's kid. My dad owned a business and my mom worked for human services, but they taught a marriage class for over 20 years. Every Saturday, they would spread their books out over the dining room table and prepare. Saturday was as holy as Sunday in our house, not in a religious way, but in our heart. Many times I think the church members, she goes on to say, don't value what they bring every Sunday. They just tell you what you bring, but the reality of it is so many of them have gifts on the inside of them, and when your children start seeing that you care about what you bring on Sunday morning, they will begin to care about the gifts on the inside of them. Wow. In every one of these stories, we see this idea of origins, and we recognize where it came from, and we see that sequence of rising up. You know, when that individual says, hey, get off my grass, and it rises up and becomes visible, we have to ask, where did that come from? And if we're willing to stick with the conversation, we will find the origins of that story. And I believe this is one of the greatest gifts that God has given, us, given to us in terms of our own personal journey and our own personal growth, is the ability to become emotional and spiritual archaeologists, to get down on our hands and knees, to grab the trowel and the brush, and do some discovery, allow the Holy Spirit to expose some things in us that need healing, and to show some things in us that need duplicating, that we need to do in a greater and greater way. But find that origin and let him help us build a home where our children, our families can rise up, yeah. become visible, and discover their very godly nature. Amen? Yeah. So I want to share with you today something that we've done to help with this process. We are committed to doing everything we can to helping shape uh, healthy homes because we recognize home is where it happens. Home is the origin of all things. And so this fall, we're excited to let you know that we are launching Quest Family. This is the culmination of five years worth of dreaming and planning and finally launching this fall Quest Family here at FLC. And Pastor Kathy's going to tell you just a little bit about that after this video. Hey church family, we're Tom and Kathy Tony, founders of Quest Student Leadership, and we could not be more excited for the launch of Quest Family. That's right. Parents, we know in this culture especially, you need some fresh air, you need some support, and also some practical tips about parenting because home is where it happens. And as a Quest organization, we want to help strengthen your family and your church by providing this video curriculum, small group material for you. So get out there, Sign up for Quest Family. Don't miss it because it's going to strengthen your home. So obviously that's going out to more than just this church. It's being uh, launched in Quest churches throughout the U.S. and actually uh, pro pro probably, excuse me, in Europe even this fall. Um, but we wanted to share this because I know that we've done Quest Family a time or two, but the, this is a few things that we wanted to share from our heart about Quest Family. You know, as parents, it's not what we know, but it's what we do. And, um, you know, the Holy Spirit told me one time we were in the middle of a, a series and I was walking on the stage and he said, your kids are not going to learn from your intentions. They're going to learn from what you actually do. And I know, I mean, there's a lot that we all do right, 
but there's some stuff that the Holy Spirit keeps telling us and we're and it's like I have that intention I have the intention to have that conversation with my kid or I have that intention to add this into their week and years can go by with that thought of I have this intention and the Holy Spirit's our helper right and so as parents I know that we have the intention to 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 learn and grow as parents and honestly as a parent very busy parent of three kids that our growth a lot of times gets pushed to the side because we're busy doing everything and so I want to admonish, like encourage, almost get on my knees and and ask in a begging way to the parents, whether your kids are in quest or not, to to make this a priority. It's a six-week session, and friends of ours are coming from Chicago to help facilitate this, Um, but it'll be our video curriculum. But, you know, it's during the week when we have that choice to drop off our kids for quest, and spend the two hours doing everything we know we need to do or spend an hour doing what we need to do in an hour here. A lot of times in the busyness, I get it completely. I would rather go to Meyer and do because we need groceries. <laughs> Not because, you know, I like Meyer better than Jesus, but it's just like, you know, your list is long, moms. I get it. But I, we just want to encourage you when we roll this out to please do everything you can to be a part of it. So for those whose kids are in quest in that age group, you know, your kids will be in quest when, we, when this happens, this class happens. If your kids are not in quest, we won't have childcare, but if you can somehow partner with your parents or with a friend or somebody um, to, to at least tag team with your spouse and try and be here for these sessions that they'll be on Wednesday nights. Yeah, at September 21st, 630 to 8. Six, six, I'm sorry. 7. 6 to 6, 615 to 7. Sorry, yeah. Somewhere in there between 5 and 9. <laughs> uh, I'm not convinced six, those are the times. I don't know. 615 to 7. We'll get the times to you. It'll no, be somewhere six, between 6 and 8. It's I do know that. 615 to 7. 615 to 7. 615 to 7. 615 to 7. Okay, so you'll drop your kids off and just come to Quest Facilitated Quest here on the campus. Yes. Um, yep. <laughs> okay. Six o'clock. Just have it in your mind, six o'clock. You're going to check your kids in. You're going to come to Quest Family. Um, but we're excited about this because it's in our heart to help strengthen your home, to help strengthen your kids. And it is, home is where it happens. I mean, yes. the Bible says that we need to bring our kids to the house of God, yes, and their lives will be different because they're in the house of God, yes. yes. But if our homes do not start matching in a greater way what happens in the house of God. Our kids will still, they, they'll get lost yeah. in that, right? Yeah. And so um, we encourage you to, to be a part of Quest Family. We're excited about it. Yeah. And this is, it's going to happen. I mean, we're rolling out curriculum. The first session's done. We've already recorded the second session. That'll be another six weeks later. Yeah, uh, yeah, so twice a year we'll offer this. And we're excited about it. And we want you to take advantage of it so that you can grow and be ben- and actually find that community with parents. Uh, there's, a, there's so much pressure, guys, right now. And the community of believers, we need each other. We and we need those conversations. And we need the Word. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us raise a generation who loves God. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, babe. Yeah, so sign up for that today. Get it, get involved in that. And then just before we pray and go, Pastor Jason, if you would come, we're going to pray in just a minute and, and uh, end out the day. So uh, I've been working for a while now on uh, a new series of books. The first one will come out sometime here in the next few months, we hope, uh, talking about what we call the slow fade. Um, this, this fade away from Christianity in the world, really. I mean, we, we know this is happening in America, but now we're starting to hear these stories from around the world and people that we're partnering with are saying, no, we're experiencing the same exact thing. Our teenagers are not sticking with their faith. And the generations that follow, it's becoming even less and less vibrant. So there, there's a slow fade that we're experiencing where it concerns faith. And so um, the first book is largely done. Inside that book, there is a study that is, is being done that I would like to invite you to be a part of if you're interested as a family. So I have here, it's called the D6 Model Study. Super simple stuff to do. If you're interested in being a part of this as a family, basically all you do is spend one day of reconciling how much time you spend with your child in these eight different areas. So super simple process. 
uh, we'd love for you to be a part of it. If you want to be a part of that, we have copies here for you today. Miss Jen has them here. Um, you can see her. Jen, if you wouldn't mind just saying hi. She'll meet you at the information center. Just sort of have your head on a swivel. So, because I don't want you to get up, say hi to somebody, and forget on your way out to the information center. So make sure you stop there. Grab this. There's not anything to it, but following the instructions. And when you're done, then there's a way to get it back to us. But this will help us to fill out that data set and understand a little bit more about the power of the D6 model and how it actually works practically inside the home. So I'd love to invite you into that process. Grab that, way on, grab that on your way out today. Yes, and you can also sign up for Quest Family at the Information Center as well. I hope today's word has been encouraging to you and hopeful for you. Guys, we can do this. We can rise up in a greater way. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Uh, Pastor Jason, I'm going to pray for families, but then you can lead through salvation, okay? So, Father, we thank you that you have given us a model, a sure foundation upon which we can build homes that reflect your goodness and your grace to us. God, I pray that as all of us ponder this question throughout today and the rest of this week, where did that come from? That you would speak to our hearts and begin to help us understand and see some connections some things that may need to be healed and repaired, some things that may need to be forgiven in others, situations, circumstances, and experiences that may need some restoration, but also some areas of our lives that we may need to lean into in a greater way because they're healthy and we want to see them produced in greater quantity or in greater effect. We're open to you and where you would lead us, but as we ask that question, I'm, I'm inviting you to speak to our hearts. And I believe that for those who are here today listening online or later, that if they'll pray that sincere, pr sincere prayer as well, this is, Holy Spirit, show me, help me, that you will. And we're grateful for it. But you're helping us to build healthy homes, the place from which everything arises. We give you thanks for it. Father, I speak over our homes today, your peace, your prosperity, your abundance, your provision. In Jesus' name, we bind up the work of the enemy and cancel his plans from over our homes. I thank you for a spirit of unity among our, 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 our moms and dads and our marriages and among our children, our, our parents to kids and kids to kids. And God, we just thank you that our homes are becoming a healthier and healthier place where we can rise up, become visible, and discover your nature and who we are in Jesus' name. Pastor Jason, if you would lead us in a prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We never leave service without giving this invitation. And what such a timely invitation for us to make Jesus the Lord of our life. Maybe you're at a place where that or your origin story is one of struggle and, and one of running and one of survival and, and you don't know and, and you're just trying to fill your life. The answer is Jesus. The good news is that Jesus came to set you free and you can make him Lord of your life today. Maybe, maybe your story is a story of running from running from Jesus, running from the past. You know, the origin story of Jesus is that he came and he died on the cross so that your sins might be forgiven and that you might be set free. So today I'm going to extend an invitation for all of us to pray a prayer together, a simple prayer right from Romans chapter 12 where we ask Jesus to come into our life. We confess that he's died for our sins and we make him Lord of your life. So if you would pray this prayer with me, say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Be my leader in life. Restore my story and help me live the amazing life you created me for.